The official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. Happy New Year. I want to say thanks to everybody for sort of hanging out with us. Our last review um, that will be sort of posted soon was sort of the Spider-Man. So that was about, you know, a few weeks ago. And so we are coming to give you one of, one of I think, one of our favorite uh, episodes titled The Jessies uh, by... Yours truly, you know, Jesse Rand, the guy's amazing. Um, what we normally do on this particular sort of episode is that we're going to be talking about everything and recapping 2021. So we have a lot of different sort of topics and sort of categories by, you know, favorites and stuff like that. Want to just kind of toss out a disclaimer. A lot of the stuff that we'll be talking about tonight is going to be the best and the top. We're really only talking about things that we've seen in our favorites, right? So we, I personally do not care how much money an X movie had made or vice versa. All the stuff that we we're talking about is from our experience so just kind of keep that in mind you know just because a movie like you know wonder woman 84 made the most amount of money uh in, in the streaming service and videos does not make it a good film right exactly brylin and that is a go ahead and look it up because it's mind-boggling so that's something that we're going to be getting into tonight what we normally do here in the podcast is that we review movie tv shows all we're having ourselves a favorite beverage tonight we're going to be getting into talking about what we'll be drinking and then i also found something interesting i wanted to kind of go back and recap we've actually never did this done this before and i want to recap something that we were looking to our most anticipated, you know, film or TV for last year. Um, so that's some, that's something how we're going to go and start. Uh, I'm going to go around the sort of the round table and kind of ask those questions. So as always, I'm going to toss it over to the beautiful Brylin. Brylin, what's going on, man? Happy New Year. Um, what you sipping on tonight? And I wanted to see your reactions to, you said Dune was your most anticipated film of 2021. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, uh, well, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, great to see you, Warren. Uh, what I'm sipping on is, hold on a second, I got a little last bit of Hennessy here, so I'm going to finish this <laughs> off. Yes, bro. <laughs> I didn't touch Hennessy, like, doing it at the last minute. <laughs> Uh, but for the most part, I'll be drinking water tonight. Staying hydrated. Uh, so yeah, 2021, a little bit better of a year for movies uh, compared to 2020, but uh, still kind of rough, like getting back into theaters. Uh, but yeah, my most anticipated movie was Dune, and I definitely saw it... Um, as soon as I could in the movie theaters, regardless of social distancing and everything, I'm willing to risk my life for this movie. And for the most part, it did not disappoint. There are some things I'll get into a little bit later in the show, but overall, I was like, uh, Dune just blew me away visually and also musically, and also the performances were just on point for those characters as well. So I was quite pleased with how it turned out. 
Yeah, I know we are probably going to be talking about Dune a little bit later on. I see that it's on a couple of other categories for everybody. Um, So it's nice to see that something that you said was your most anticipated paid off for you, unlike some of the other films that we have on this list. And so that's something that we're going to talk about in a second. Well, Brian, as always, it's great to have you on. And it's great to see your beautiful face. Thank you. I'm going to toss it over to somebody that we've been missing, but we've been okay. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Mocha Mike. What's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight? And I want to get your thoughts and reactions to um, you posted two films that you had the most anticipation. Um, The first one was Candyman. And then the second one you had was a special shout out for Eternals. How do they stack up? Hey, yo. Well, what's up, everybody? It's great to see all of your faces yet again. so what am I drinking tonight? What am I sipping on? I'm drinking this lovely uh, Mirin sake from my local sake distillery called Kato Sake Works over here in Bushwick in Brooklyn, New York. This place is dope. If anyone's ever out here, it's great. It's one of like two sake distilleries in like the Northeast and they make dope stuff and are really delicious. Is it the Northeast or is it New York? Either way, they're not very common, um, but they make great sake. So cheers to them. Uh, and yeah, looking back at last year, my, my most anticipated for 2021 so it was Candyman uh, as the official entry. And I got to say, I didn't even bother to go see it. The reviews were just so bad. And like the response to it was so bad where I was like, this isn't the one that I'm going to like risk going to the theaters for. Like, and to be clear, like I got vaccinated early this year. I was ready in July when Black Widow came out to get back to going to the theaters. Um, and I did see a bunch of movies in theaters. Uh, but like this was one where I was like, it doesn't seem like it's actually worth it to go out of my way for it. I would still like to see it at some point when it's available on streaming, but um, it being a Jordan Peele movie or only produced by Jordan Peele and not actually like written and directed by him, I think resulted in a bit of hype that wound up being unwarranted in reality, which is unfortunate. Uh, I don't want to see anything uh, that comes out from his you know, new production company do poorly. Um, and I'm hoping that when I eventually get to watch it myself, it's not nearly as bad as people made it out to be. However, my special shout out was to Eternals. And I tried to just, like not do the typical mocha thing, which is just get incredibly hype about something Marvel related when it came to this category. But I should have made that my main cat, my main vote because I went to see Eternals three times in theaters uh, this year and I, it got better and better every time. I know that a lot of people who went to see it who are like had a variety of feelings about it, but I really feel that it was a fun, it was a fantastic uh, movie and really does a lot to set the stage for the future of, of Marvel in phase five and six, which is again, moving more towards the cosmic Marvel where people are just, where the characters are, are stronger and more kind of insane in terms of their backstories and uh, histories than what we've seen previously. So I love the turtles. Um, and yeah, I'm happy that it, that it actually came out and we didn't get, we didn't get postponed any further. That's surprising. I'm sure that's going to come back up in our conversation tonight. I do meant mm-hmm. to ask you, and I'm going to uh, circle back to uh, Brylan after this. What was the first film that you saw in 2021? I, I, I guess first film in theaters that you saw. Yeah, the first film that I saw coming back like since the pandemic started was Black Widow, and that was one where like there were a few movies that came out before Black Widow that I wanted to see, and I was vaccinated, but I was like, no, my return to the theater is going to be for Marvel. And man, was I disappointed with that, with that, with that moment, <laughs> big, big disappointment. And that's not the pandemic's fault. That's, uh, that's the movie's fault. It was a, a rare miss in, in Figgy's catalog, I think. 
Um, but a miss that that earned its reputation, I think. Uh, Brylon, what about you? First film you saw in the theaters? In 2021, because I actually saw a movie in the theaters in 2020 during the rage, like in the middle of the rage of COVID, unvaccinated and everything. But uh, I'll never do that again. Uh, but uh, I, uh, in 2021, I think the first movie I saw in theaters was The Green Knight, uh, because that's the only place you could go to see it. And it was definitely well worth the trip. Nice. Cool. Well, Mocha, it's always great to have it on. Great to see your face. I'm very curious to hear some of your thoughts on Spider-Man. I know that we didn't get a chance to um, talk to you. You were on sort of the pod um, during that time. And I know Spider-Man is going to be on several people's lists tonight. So hopefully you get a chance to sort of chime into that. I'm super curious to see what you thought. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to be back. I'll toss it over to the Shredder himself, Dr. Blewett. Blewett, what's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight? I know. He got his doctor. It's surprising. Um, and I want to sort of list that you said Shang-Chi was your most anticipated film for 2021. How do you yeah. react to that? What yeah. a fancy. We love it. I- ironically, that was also my first movie back in theaters. Um, yeah, I thought it lived up. Uh, I thought it was honestly better than... I mean, at that point, I feel like there wasn't even a trailer out. Because like I think Shang-Chi mostly kept to like its standard release date-ish. Once it got booted back the first time, um, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was it was awesome. Um, definitely lived up. Probably wasn't my number one. Uh, I don't know how I wasn't more amped for what is my number one, but uh, yeah, definitely worth watching. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, whoa, tonight I am drinking uh, a whiskey scotch called Shoulder Monkey. Um, pretty solid. Definitely uh, whiskey and scotch. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah, I'm curious to see that I was looking through everybody's sort of top movies and I'm like, wow, none of us put this as our, you know, most anticipated. So, whoa, spoiler alert. Nobody, our top movie didn't, was not put as our most anticipated of this year. Oh, oh, I thought you said no one talked about this certain movie. (coughs) No. Okay, fair. Oh, no. I mean, it's an end of year list. It's going to be spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of, and thank you for that. uh, I'm sure we're probably going to be spoiling maybe any film from this uh, past year, maybe from before. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, We probably will say the title of the film first before we spoil it. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, but my name is Warren. I'm going to be your host this evening. I'm currently sipping on some water to stay hydrated because I'm going to work out after this. Um, so that's nice. And my most anticipated film I put was Candyman. I did see this in theaters. And I would agree with you, Mocha. Like, I definitely don't understand how much hate the movie got. Like, this film really took a lot of wild swings, which I never mind about it. Like, it was sort of weird. It was insane. Um, There was a lot of realness is sort of wrapped up into, you know, not only gentrification, but also the concept of, you know, what happens with, you know, populations of colors in the project's area. They drive the rate down. You know, that property gets bought up, then they get, you know, shipped out for, you know, better house, like things that we've actually sort of seen that was also tied and wrapped into this lore of Candyman that was also creating this, their own universe. 
which is kind of funny how now these movies are linked or somehow connected into, you know, a story. And so I was, I was sort of interested of, I want to know how this movie ends. Was it the best? No, the cast, what I thought was, you know, I liked the cast of the film. Um, it definitely was clunky. It was a little messy. Uh, but I was, I still appreciated of what they were attempting to do. And I don't think they're done with this uh, franchise. I guess we <laughs> want to call it a franchise now. Um, so, yeah, I was still disappointed, but I was still sort of encouraged by them taking swings. Because especially, I think, one of the trends that we have noticed, or please, at least I have sort of noticed and seen, is that a lot of these movies and tv shows that we're getting just all feels that got the same thing that we've seen before and it sometimes get really tiring so when you do get something different how does that make you sort of feel sort of thing so that was, was it uh yaya abdul mateen who mm-hmm. was the main star in king man mm-hmm. he's in everything this year. he is he is i mean like it's amazing <laughs> i love it i really do love it. if it's yeah. not him but he's great not, too so if it's not him <laughs> if it's not jonathan majors that mahershala ali or if it's not daniel kalua like right before all these four roles was only played by chadwick boseman so this is great Perfect. now it's like if you think about it boy like you like if you tilt your head back you look at chadwick boseman was in everything and he was the only one and it now seems like it's definitely sort of diversifying sort of dispersing up a hell of a lot which is i feel i i like and they're all telling different stories uh and was, all was those chadwick people boseman just in get out no uh no that was daniel kalua yeah, yeah so chadwick boseman wasn't in everything was Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther? No, that was Daniel Kaluuya. Chadwick Boseman Ooh. has not been in everything. Yikes. That's a bad take <laughs> for you to get black people mixed up, but I'll let that go. Um, and okay. they were both in Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> they were both in Black Panther. He knows. He knows. I, that, that's the uh, joke. Yeah. Also, Michael B. Jordan is coming up and out with a lot of things, too, which is good. So um, that was something that, you know, I saw my first film uh, watching in 2021 was In the Heights. I was really excited about that particular sort of film. It's from Lin-Mel Miranda, um, which is his, you know, that was actually out before Hamlet. But Hamlet took over everything. And now everything seems like this is kind of like Hamlet again, which is, you know, not fair. So it's going to be really curious and interesting to see. What else Lin-Manuel Miranda do, especially because I've seen things like Encanto, I've seen his other works, and it's it's a little different, so I, I'm really excited to kind of follow his career, especially because he had so much involved in some other things that came out this year. Encanto so let's, was a lot of fun. What's up? Encanto was a lot of fun. Well, it's a hard disagree for me, but it's okay. We don't need to get into that <laughs> better conversation right now. Streaming on Disney Plus right yeah. now. Watch it. Check it out. Let me know if it's a, actually a good movie or just a, a big mess. Who knows? Warren famously hates Colombians. I do. <laughs> okay. I barely fly under the radar for him. <laughs> no, I, I really I, f- I felt bad because as I was sitting there in the theater watching that film by myself, which was like really nice. Like I liked it's like I like the music, I like the visuals, but like you have nothing. You're not really saying much, and the things that you are saying is kind of like, did you really mean it this way? Like you start having a refugee story that you sort of completely run away from, and you never revisit it again. And I really feel like. A refugee story is somewhat prescient to talk about, especially when you have magic in this particular thing, and it never, never came to it. I don't know. That's in Kanto, like my uh, quick snippet. That's okay. Let's get into our categories. So for the categories tonight, we have uh, our favorite performance uh, of the year. We have the biggest COVID casualty. 
score of the year. We have sort of our biggest disappointment. I We titled this as Worst Movie or TV Show of the Year. Um, biggest Miss of the Year, something that we all wanted to see, never got a chance to actually get around to do it for whatever reason, mainly COVID. And then uh, our last... Last two that we're going to talk about is our top, you know, our favorite three sort of movie or TVs with a couple of honorable mentions, uh, if you like. And then we have our most anticipated um, movie or TV. What are we really excited about that's coming out in the future uh, for this year, 2022? So I am going to start with just going to go in on a list. And so I'm sort of curious of uh, what we think. Uh, I'm actually going to sort of skip this first one and go into something that I think you can go back a little bit faster. Biggest COVID casualty. So something that was, <laughs> I'd imagine either A, it, it didn't come out at all, and B, if it did come out, ooh, it probably needed a little bit more time in the oven. Um, so I'm going to start with Brylan. Brylan, what do you have for our biggest COVID ooh, casualty? Uh, well, when Jesse gives you COVID, uh, there can be no other casualty bigger than Top Gun Maverick. This movie has been delayed by a year twice, so it was supposed to come out two years ago, uh, and now it's coming out uh, this summer 2022, um, and just a few months before Mission Impossible 7, so the 22 is shaping up to be a year of Tom Cruise for anybody, but... Um, just the the hype that the trailer has. I mean, just looking at how even what they shot in the trailer is gotten me excited to see this movie. I want to see how, and we've seen sequels hit and miss for thirty year old revivals and stuff. But I do want. I definitely there's part of me that eighties kid that just like who loves Cobra Kai forever, but uh, who wants to see this new Top Gun movie more than anything. Planes go fast. Boom. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious about it because I've been trying to dodge this trailer, which was really easy because I don't think they sort of released more than like one, nothing, one teaser or something like that. They, there was a two. trailer out. There was two. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I found I found it easy, and I actually heard more about you know this particular film by reading Val Kilmer's um, like book. Um, so <laughs> it was interesting to hear about like th- I think the film is done, and it's sort of just like sitting and waiting which kind of sucks um so i'm curious to see uh if that ever will come out because who who knows what's gonna happen last next year you know, to go. <laughs> i'm willing to buy it directly from tom cruise <laughs> i'm sure he will <laughs> happily sell it to you blue what you what you got for biggest COVID casualty yeah uh ironically i feel like that it it was the casualty from the year before from the production cycle it released vaguely on time um, but that's WandaVision. Uh, you could just tell towards the end of specifically that last episode that they ran out of time with VFX. They ran out of time shooting it. They ran out of time writing it, editing, whatever you want to say. Uh, that ending just totally missed for me. Uh, it was just not satisfying mm-hmm. at all. Um, we'll see. Marvel has this great uh, track record of fixing their mistakes uh, later. Um, and so we'll see if any future uh, Wanda appearances will in retroactively make WandaVision better. Um, but that ending just needed another couple months of love, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cool it's, to see that it's getting a lot of um, I wouldn't call them the major awards, but like some very high end awards like Peabody's and New York. Film oh, Credit yeah. Circle and stuff. 
those first yeah, couple so episodes actually were really cool. Yeah, we're oh, we're awesome, and that's kind of that's the disappointing part about it, right? If it was uh, like if it was a mediocre show and whatever they they it wasn't a super satisfying ending kind of who cares move on to the next thing right uh but because the the writing directing like we all watched the uh marvels assembled right on it and the amount of care that went into uh shooting those retro scenes was phenomenal um and then the fact that they just couldn't they just ran out of time for the ending is one of those uh what ifs you know you could almost do what if season two and then just be like, what if WandaVision had an extra couple months or didn't have a global pandemic? Here, Here's the ending they would have gone with. <laughs> that's interesting because that's the exact same way I feel about Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye needed just one more episode uh, as a, for, like between seven and eight. Yeah, there were only, no, between five and six. Uh, I needed one episode that was just Kingpin related um just to like really land that land the ending. Otherwise, I liked it a lot. But So, so that Wait, one will Kingpin's excuse- and Hawkeye? uh we warned you about spoilers yeah yeah so we we i think for that one the excuse that i immediately have on that is uh one they always do the uh penultimate episode flashback it's like in all of those shows um and then two um i think we'll see a lot more of him i was disappointed the mom uh what it's vera farmiga's character i forget her name right now i was disappointed Mm -hmm. the flashback wasn't about her because that, that to me, that character is kind of a one and done, whereas like Wilson Fisk seems like he's going to be popping up in a bunch of stuff that are all New York based. I agree, but it sh- I think it should have been about them both. I think we should have seen more about Wilson through exploring the mom. Well, yeah. Fisk is going to be back. He's going to like Echo's getting her own show and right. he's going to be a big part yeah. of that. So, yeah. And also, if you want to ask me, probably a big, a big part of like the next trilogy of Spider-Man movies, too. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other podcast of the conversation. <laughs> uh okay mocha biggest uh covid casualty what you got yeah for me the biggest covid casualty this year is going to be black adam um i this movie has been delayed has been delayed a few times now i think twice it should be coming out in july of next year or in july of this year now um but i think that 2021 really needed another dceu win um I definitely prefer Marvel over the over the DC universe, but I don't want DC to do poorly. And I did not think that Zack Snyder's like the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League was enough to like balance to or was overpowered enough by Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was was great. Zack's like Justice League Zack Snyder's cut was a whole other conversation. But I really think I really think that Black Adam has the potential to be great, and in a way that the DCEU movies haven't really uh, had a chance to be, uh, especially with it being self-referential, reflective of like other elements like Shazam and stuff like that. And I just think it could have really, really helped the DC brand to have come out this year too. Well, I would say um, the one that I would list that was just the big, biggest COVID casualty, just because there was a lot of promotion material and interviews for <laughs> this. Jackass forever. <laughs> this thing was everywhere. It was tons of trailers everywhere. I, you, know, you actually see Johnny Knoxville on you know talk show hosts talking about the show. And it was weird because like all of a sudden they were like, nope. It's gonna be, and they're gonna they they pushed it back. I think twice, if not three times, last year alone. 
Um, so that's, you know, it's in 2022 now. Uh, and I thought that was a kind of a big bummer because I think this would have been an interesting comedy, um, to have, you know, this, you know, I guess this winter, um, and it probably could have done, you know, somewhat well, but it's probably a good idea for them to sort of push it back to whenever they did. I didn't look up a new one. Um, but I would say that was probably the biggest one just because there was a hell of a lot of money already wasted, uh, already for all that material that something's not going to come out. So that hurts. Um, so that is what I put on as my uh, biggest COVID casualty. Um, let's go back up to a sort of a little bit more of a lighter sort of topic. Our favorite performance of the year. Um, so I see we got some things here. I'm going to then actually have Blewett start. Blewett, what you got here for a favorite performance? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so um, that I was completely prepared for. Um so first of all, uh, Tom Hiddleston and Loki, I, you know, I, th- I think, I mean, there's a million of these Marvel things that came out, so we're probably going to start talking about one of them in every single of these categories. Um, but he really carried the show. Uh, that show does not work unless you have his charisma to play off of. Um, and I think there was a, the, a, enough of those like really hopeless moments that really showed his range. He wasn't just like the quirky, you know, uh, god of mischief. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was a great performance. Um, I'm also incredibly bad when it comes to judging actors. So, you know, I feel like that he's probably going to win nothing for the, the award. I just really liked it. Um, and then I'll give you an indie kid pick. Uh, and I think we watched this, it was a documentary, I don't know, like early in the year. Uh, but Soleil yeah. Moon Fry in kid 90 was, uh, a fascinating watch. Uh, and you know, I assume it's, it was really tough for her to like tell all those stories. Um, and the fact that she was willing to do it, uh, I, I, again, I wouldn't necessarily call it like a, an acting performance, but, um, she still had to get in front of a camera and tell all those stories, uh, as horrible as they all were, uh, and, you know, keep the narrative pushing forward. So, uh, kudos. Cool. Yeah, I do love Hiddleston. I think Loki took, it was interesting, Loki sort of took a lot of people by storm, and that's all anybody was talking about from week to week. Um, So that was some powerful stuff outside of, um, I want to say, The Mandalorian. That was like, I felt like when it came out, it was like the most popular thing, and everybody was talking about it. Like, Ted Lasso has its time, Loki had its time, Mandalorian had its time, uh, and Tom Hiddleston was just crushing it. Mocha, what you got? Yeah, so for me this year, the best performance was Samantha Sloyan, for, uh, also known as Beverly Keen from Midnight Mass. I don't know if, you, if any of you guys got to see this show. It was on Netflix. Um, it's a, I believe his name is Brian Keen. Is the name of the person? No, that's not correct. I'll find oh, out what the name of the director um, actually is. Um, wait, wait, it's right here. Mike it's the Doctor Sleep dude. Yeah, Mike yeah, Flanagan. He did Doctor Sleep. He did uh, The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bryce Manor on Netflix. Midnight Mass is his pinnacle so far. I think it was an incredible show. And Beverly Keen, that character, is the absolute distilled epitome of the word bitch. Like she did such an incredible job of being so infuriatingly hate worthy. And there was such a gross authenticity to it because I have personally known religious people who behave exactly like she did, minus the dog assassination. Uh, situation um, but really like she did incredible I hope that she gets some sort of recognition for this because she she drew, she added a level of 
uh, infuriation and despair and seemingly like an impossible villain to defeat just by being a Karen. Um, and really it, she's, she stole the show for that, uh, for what I th- think was one of my favorite shows of the year. So definitely, definitely her. I see. I haven't seen it, but somebody was just asking me if I should, uh, if I saw the Midnight Mass, and I felt like it also like super popular. I just never got around to it. Um, but that's yeah, on Netflix, I mean, right? It is on Netflix. Definitely worth the watch. I feel like I haven't heard people talking about it. It definitely was successful. Like Mike Flanagan stuff always does well, yep. but I feel like no one's talking about it, and it, it was so so good. It's a right. it's a slow burn though. Just keep that in mind. Like, is it? Oh, yeah, that's probably yeah. why I don't like. I, I didn't go after it. It's good, but it's definitely not. I don't know. I didn't like it as much as Hill House, but I probably liked it more than Bly Manor. So take that what, how you will. All right. I never finished Bly Manor, but I loved Hill House. So I've always seen Doctor Sleep. Yes, which is still a great, oh, still fantastic. Yes. Brylon, what you got for favorite performance? Um, there's some honorable mentions I want to mention. Um. I probably couldn't get enough of Florence Pugh and Hawkeye, especially with her banter between her and Kate Bishop. It just makes me excited to see her in the MCU continuing. I thought she was a little out of place in Black Widow at first, but she really kind of just killed it in Hawkeye. I thought she was fantastic. Uh, Jonathan Majors, being the number one fan of Jonathan Majors, um, him as he who remains in Loki, some of the best 11 minutes put to film. Um, whether it's uh, TV or movies in the past year, uh, fantastic performance. And I can't wait to see how his character continues to evolve in the Marvel universe. Uh, but I have to give it up to Dev Patel and the Green Knight. Uh, I mean, the Green Knight is one of these uh, films that is definitely based on a very old poem and kind of hits those notes to a T. But it also takes an amazing actor to kind of bring this like middle English like feel out of the poem and make it visually real for people. And he actually does a fantastic job as a uh, Sir Gawain um, in this, uh, in this film as like the rookie knight of the, of the round table and just trying to prove himself to King Arthur uh, throughout the movie. It, he was fantastic. Uh, I heard uh, Dev Patel became incredibly popular because he was incredibly um, good-looking in the Green Might movie. Is that true? Uh, I mean, he, he is a handsome fellow. He's got a nice beard, goatee, Van Dyke thing going on. Looks very knightly. So. Interesting. Uh, so I got two um, on here, and it was just really tough to decide which one I felt was kind of landed on me um, more. Um, probably the earlier one, I would say, uh, because this movie, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, came out, I want to say February? It came out super yeah, early in 2021. Yeah. Uh, and usually when a movie comes out anytime before March, those movies are are going to die. Um, and it's just a sort of a thing that's attempted happens if like, you know, it's like basically sort of the graveyard. The one thing I would say is sort of Judas and the Black Messiah was probably, uh, the film itself resonated really well with me to talk about the story and the life of Fred Hampton, but Daniel Kaluuya and really everybody in that movie, uh, but mainly him just crushes this goddamn role. And it's just sort of insane because I think maybe a week before I was just watching that, 
um, sort of the series that talks about all this stuff that the FBI was doing at the time. And then to sort of see this film come through and have such a hopeful message um, that's sort of cut down by how much sort of uh, corrupt and sort of crime that happens to, you know, populations of color all the way throughout. I, I found it to be, you know, really, really moving. Uh, and I, I, he just sort of crushed that actual sort of role. Um, so I think that was one that, you know, hit me pretty hard when the beginning of 2021 was happening. And I said, everybody needs to watch this movie so we can talk about it. And then something more recently was uh, Andrew Garfield, because he also like kind of popped up and is now in a, a lot of stuff in his portrayal of John Jonathan Larson in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, and that's sort of streaming on Netflix right now. And I remember sitting sitting and watching this film and like, oh man, this is like cropping up a hell of a lot of feelings for me when I first was introduced to Rent, to the songs, to the... But not only that, and then kind of going past that to look at the themes of just either homosexuality, the substance use, the um, you know, p- people living in sort of either poor or in poverty. It's just just was insane to think about um, how all this was sort of culminated and kind of came up from you know this this one man who was really kind of tr- tried out and did everything he could. So. Um, I really appreciated, I think I, I really appreciated the most was not only his performances, but his performances with other people in the film. I thought that was actually pretty cool. And it's also like really eerie to see that, um, on one hand you're talking about somebody like Jonathan Larson who passed away, you know, before Rent even became a thing. But then also in 2021, you got, um, Stephen Sondheim who actually passed away, who's actually portrayed in the film. So it was very, very, very eerie to see that come out at the time that it did um especially because i think they were like he was just on like talk shows right i think he passed away like around thanksgiving um so yeah those are sort of the two that i really really appreciate it as sort of the best sort of some of my favorite and memorable sort of performances um of last year so that was really cool uh mocha what you got you already did mine <laughs> then what do you say that i've got two Oh my goodness, Warren! It's in quotes because you said it. You're like, I've got two, and then your listing said Jonathan or what's it called, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Garfield, Garfield, and everyone. <laughs> Everybody on the planet, congratulations! You won it, just <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay, let's move to score. Cut that, cut that, cut that. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> let's move to our favorite score um, of the year. Uh, so I will start with uh, Brylin here. Yeah, um, I'm not the best at like uh, judging scores or anything, but I mean, maybe it's recency bias or anything. But after watching the first uh, episode of Book of Boba Fett, I mean, I was like, it's solid. I enjoy it. But the thing that stood out to me was the music. And I was like, wow, this music is really amazing and banging and stuff. And I was like, is this Ludwig Gordonson? And then at the end, I was like, yeah, it's Ludwig Gordonson. That dude just kills it when he makes songs. And I just love the whole like chanting vibe that he has going on for um, that score. And I hope I am uh, interested to see how it continues in that series. So I'm going to give it to that first episode of Book of Boba Fett. I mean, it was fantastic score that it had. Would you got some initial thoughts on that episode? Because we never even had a chance to talk about it yet. It was it was good. Um, I I have some reservations about having Tamora Morrison do so much action. That's that's like my biggest hold up with it. And some of the effects looked kind of 
you could start to see where the volume was breaking, especially in some wide establishing shots there. And I was like, hmm, maybe Robert Rodriguez is not the best choice for this uh, series. But uh, I'm interested to see where the story goes because um, we have to wait a year for Mandalorian, so they better make this uh, payoff in some way. Is Robert Rodriguez going to be the director for every episode, or are they like shuffling directors as they have been before? Yeah, he he's directing every single episode for this. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, Mocha, what you got for best score? Ooh, baby, you know it's got to be Dune. Hans Zimmer does not miss. He does not miss, period. Everything about Dune's soundtrack and score was really, really fantastic. Really great at uh, mixing like otherworldly, uh, another worldly vibe with some like familiar, uh, like deserty kind of kind of feels to the music. Um, and honestly, it was really great seeing Hans Zimmer break down on the bagpipes himself too. So definitely going to give it to 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 the men for for that. Dune was like was just all like auditory uh, excellence. How many times did you see Dune? Crack. I saw Dune once, twice in theaters, and once on TV so far. Are you going to go back to the theater if it comes back out on in IMAX? Uh, if it comes back out in uh, Dolby, yeah. I saw it in IMAX, and I saw it in Dolby, and the experience in Dolby was just really, really incredible. So, yeah, if it comes back out in Dolby, totally. Blue, what you got? Yeah, uh, I... Re- in doing this, I realized that uh, it does modified on instead of uh, date created in Google Drive. So some of my movies that I thought <laughs> came out this time, uh, people just randomly edited apparently in 2021 and the movie didn't come out then. So we're going to scratch the initial thing and we're going to panic, go with a backup. Uh, we're going to go with Shang-Chi. Um, I think I said this in the podcast itself, uh, but the blend of traditional orchestral modern music you know modern american popular music and uh traditional chinese music was awesome to hear in one one complete score um yeah well done probably didn't it didn't you know blow the roof off like i'm sure hans zimmer did in dune uh but i didn't see dune so i don't get to say that fair enough uh honorable mention here is to belfast blue and i really want you to check out that movie and score i think you will absolutely love it um everything about that film i absolutely love but like the score itself was really really solid um, my favorite is going to go to uh summer of soul um documentary that talks about the 1979 i think i may get that uh the year wrong but uh directed by sort of quest love his sort of first sort of creation of sort of this entire just in, insane music sort of festival that was done the same time as sort of Woodstock was and all this footage that was lost and destroyed and nobody gave a shit about in, you know, New York. So um, the music in this one is insane. The performances are so good. And just to sit and watch them, it was it felt like uh, the get back that we I don't know if everybody saw that, but the get back of what uh, came out in sort of Disney Plus, very similar to that, uh, but just gave you a lot of sort of footage and also kind of give you sort of snapshots of what was happening in that time frame. And so hearing the music at that time and how it's sort of you can go back and just listen to so many mini artists that I'd never heard before. Um, big props to that. I think that was actually really cool. So that is uh, Summer of Soul for me. 
Um, okay, so we're gonna go keep on moving along. We got a couple more here. Uh, let's talk about uh, our biggest disappointment. Always should come with some fun, uh, some some fun banter here. So we we title this as worst movie or TV show of the year. Um, so I'm gonna toss it over to Blewett here because he has one that I think is very apt. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I was actually gonna go with Mocha's because I. I kind of what I'm about to say, I feel like I didn't expect to be good, but I also, I guess, didn't expect it to be that bad. Um, just everyone know that Mocha copied me. Uh, so I went with Coming to America 2 um, in a long lineage of just movies that have a sequel 10 plus years after the initial one came out. Uh, it continues that lineage of having the sequel just absolutely suck. Um, I think the first like 10 minutes were funny. And then after that, it just became a real slog. Like, clearly, PG-13 movies sell more than they did in the 80s. And clearly, they tried to make the decision to go with that uh, style of comedy because it's not 1983 anymore. Uh, That didn't work. Just give me old school red suit, purple suit, Eddie Murphy in 1900 different characters and uh, telling the dirtiest jokes possible. Uh, unfortunately we got a mess. I don't even remember how it ended because I'm pretty sure I was playing Sudoku on my phone the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't understand. And you know, the last 30 plus years that just blatant misogyny, that things that you can sort of joke about, it's just, it's not funny. And it's just like, was this movie made in 1984 and 85? Like we, no, cause then it would have been funnier. There's there's such a difference between what they gave us. And then yeah, the- it's so bad. Like the I was blown away by how bad that it was. And just kind of scratching my head, like you really was trying a heck of a lot and got a lot of these people back. And there was a, a lot of people who like read the script and was like, "No, nah, I'm good. I don't want to be a part of this because it's, it's not very good." <laughs> and so big ups to them because I I was just sort of shocked how you really was trying to push so much for this revival, of this movie, and. It fell flat on his face in, in every turn. It's just baffling, really. Uh, I hate to see it. Uh, blew it. Uh, thanks, blew it. Mocha, what you got? I get you mixed up a lot. Yeah. So uh, the choice that blew it entered in right after I typed mine in on the document was for the girl in the train, um, the Netflix film, which was like the third version of this movie to have come out. It didn't need to exist. It wasn't. Anywhere, like it wasn't, it didn't provide us anything particularly good other than maybe changing the ethnicity of the main theme, like the main character. Um, it just wasn't a good movie. And I feel like if you're going to make the third version of a, of, of the same movie with the same plot and the same like plot points and, and story beats, like at least try to do something unique, like maybe have it take place in a plane as the girl on the plane. I don't know. Just do anything, literally anything different. And then it can be bad, but in its own way. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a, a huge miss for me, and I am sorry that we had to watch it as a group. Um, also, for the sake of not talking about Marvel too much, I would have also, to diversify that, put Black Widow. Um, but uh, but uh, but yeah. So the so you're saying that this was like a remake version of uh, another film that's the same. Well, was the original film at least good? Um. So I haven't watched the original movies. Uh, I've heard fairly good things about them all, but like this movie came out in 20, 2021. 
And the last version of this movie was in 2016. So it wasn't even that, and w- was with Emily Blunt. Yeah. So it had like a much more impressive cast, I guess, uh, you know. In Although I think we cast. said this, I think we said this back in the day that it was, yeah, because it was all, it was Hindi, right? It was a Hindi film. It was uh, a, I wouldn't say it was a Bollywood production, but right. it was like Netflix wanting to cater yes. to the Indian. I think it was, that was uh, like audience, their purpose. Yeah. It was just like, all right, let's just take a movie and then translate but, it but it wasn't bollywood it just it took place in london there was no dancing or singing like, no, it, it no, no 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 there's but, like one there's, dance part. there's, there's one like dance but but what, i think what we're saying is that they tried to make just a movie they wanted and to put cater it in to hindi a and then try and get more folks in india to to buy netflix even though like yeah. they weren't going to do bollywood they were just going to do it in the native language it didn't yeah, work it did, we said this on the podcast it was a dumb idea and it didn't work yeah. yeah, and actually, looking at the history of this of this film, the the one before that wasn't even 2016. It was in 2018. It looks like so there was a version of this movie in 2016, 2018, 2021, uh, and I think one in when did this one come out? Didn't the no, book come out? Wasn't it based on a book? And the book came out in like 2010. It was based on a book. Yeah, uh, I think it was like in yeah. that young adult like craze from you know with uh resurgence or maze runner or uh what's the bow and arrow one uh with like Hunger Games. But this is this is a young adult no no like, or maybe the that. book was i don't know actually but yeah but i think it was just like it was in that like that you know when like all the the c-level books got movies made out of them i think it was like written in that that era and they're just like sure we'll we'll do this four times in a decade yeah it's such a such a waste of money um I don't know. I feel like if anything did a better job of like portraying of like reaching out to uh, like Southeast Asian audiences, it, like I feel like the just the dance scene in freaking Eternals did a better job than this movie did reaching out to, <laughs> to, that, to that audience. So like, come on, like, I don't know. It was just a waste. It was a waste of everyone's time and money. I haven't even heard of it, so that's, that's a real big bummer. Of like, <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Um, Brylin, what you got? Uh, yeah. Um, so the sad Jesse, um, I have to give it to things heard and seen. I mean, somehow we ended up reviewing this movie and it was, it was one of those movies that was just trying too hard to be something it's not. It was trying to be like this very cerebral, um, supernatural ghost film that has, that wanted to like, say like, it's not the ghosts that are bad, it's actual people that are bad. And it just falls flat on its face. I mean, nobody's interesting in this film. Um, it has one of the worst lines I've ever heard, which was like, Billy is a non-gender name or some bullshit like that, just to um, kind of move the plot forward. But they, what's probably worse is that even though the main storyline is really crap i mean they have a secondary subplot going on that's actually really interesting and they never go with it which is like is the husband basically being an imposter of his cousin and stuff and that could have been a much more interesting film to watch so um just very very uninteresting film that um, really didn't need to be made or seen or anything it was just absolutely terrible has anybody else forgot about this film? Because I had no idea the movie title you put up, Brylin. I was like, have I seen this movie? And not only well, have you I don't seen remember it, the uh <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't you remember like 
the the appeal of the Hudson River Valley oh. uh, community and stuff. Oh man, so bad. Who was on that? I, I know. Um, were we all on that? Did we all review that together? I yes. I was I was on the review so. at least. What did you say? I was on the review. Um, yeah. Oh man, that's that's so sad. I'm, I'm like remembering all this sad time. Yeah, because like it, it felt like it's gonna popped up out of nowhere, and it was like it could have it could have had an opportunity, and yet they just like no, we're not want to tell that story. We want to tell this whole other story that's <laughs> way less interesting. Like okay, cool. Yeah, and it had a great cast too. Like Amanda Seyfried is an incredible is a really good actor. Uh, James yeah. Norton is not a bad actor. Natalie Dyer is coming like is just having her big crescendo as a, as a young actor and then had this flop, which is a really big shame. I don't know. It's a, it was a bummer. Uh, so that is uh, Things Heard and Seen. I believe that was uh, streaming, right, on Netflix at the time? It's on Amazon Plus, I want to say. Netflix. Well, nope. Definitely Netflix. Netflix. Movie. Yeah. Definitely a Netflix movie. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I'm Amazon- looking directly at it right now. <laughs> it's gotcha. also Amazon Prime. I don't believe it's Amazon Plus, but maybe. I- <laughs> no, Amazon Prime. Sorry. Yeah. They're all going to become one service eventually. So just get so, ready. Just cable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For- cable Plus. So for me, this was actually kind of funny because uh, I definitely didn't want to forget how bad Venom 2 was. And wow, I was blown away by y'all just made the same exact movie twice. <laughs> and so but you made it worse. <laughs> I like, first of all, like, did you not learn your lesson from Spider Man 3 that somebody's sort of screaming and having a sense of I'm sad, so therefore I'm just gonna tell everybody I'm Venom's running around is basically saying I'm sad and so I'm just going to show you how sad I am and it's just like what is the point of this movie I have no idea I was blown away by how bad it was and it's almost as if it's kind of like a slap in the face like so did this movie just get made just to have a stinger to tie into (laughs) Spider-Man because it feels like that was the only reason why this movie was made was like, Oh, Hey, by the way, Venom can go to Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man was like, no, 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 you're good. Stay in your own universe. Goodbye. It was like, it was was made because the first one was successful. Yeah. I mean, so this one was successful too, Brylan. Oh, was it? (laughs) Yeah. Venom two has blown off the doors of how much money it made, which is, (laughs) I, 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 I'm like shocked of how much money I didn't, I haven't even looked it up recently. I was like talking about it a week ago and I'm like, wow, this is not, it's no longer, I, I can't say that this was a, a failure. It's a big success for a terrible movie. And it's, yeah. it's, so, it's so sad. <laughs> it um, did do well in the box office, but I will point out that it made less than the original Venom. It didn't. For sure. Though. But that's still make a lot of money though. Like yeah, half a billion ain't bad. Right. Even as awful in, in, as in the pandemic. Yeah. Even as awful as that movie is, there's something about Tom Hardy's twisted romance that I really just enjoy watching. <laughs> I don't mind it, but you already gave me one whole movie of that. I don't need more of the same thing. Like did they, so I didn't see Venom too. I don't mind talking about it. Did they like like lean into the Venom and uh, Eddie Brock being in a relationship situation? Because that's no. canonical. Like they, no, they, they fuck in the in the, in the comics. <laughs> they 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 did not. They they so much did it that they literally love. separate. No, they yeah. literally separate in this film, Mocha. So they are two characters. Venom's by himself, just randomly hopping in other people's bodies, and then he's Brock trying to figure out some sort of story that no one cares about with Carnage character uh, in mm. there. Like they they yeah. they 
actively go out of their way not to have those two characters <laughs> on the same screen yeah. until the, the the big fight. And it's it's mind blowing because this movie is like over two hours again, and it's like what what is going on in this film? Why is it so bad? I, I, I was blown away. There's a reason Venom's rubbing his nipples in the uh, Spider Man stinger. That made everyone uncomfortable. Even people that aren't that. listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, so that was uh, sort of that was big up there of like I can't believe this movie's so bad yet getting a heck of a lot of more money. It feels like a Jurassic World scenario, and we're gonna keep getting the same old tired sort of story. And the other one, I'm just sort of curious because we love Paul Thomas Anderson, and I recently just watched Licorice Pizza, and my goodness, this movie was terrible. But everybody is saying that it's amazing. It's currently sitting at a 91%. And so I'm like scratching, me and Emma are basically scratching our heads like, what is this movie about? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Just talking, you know, just telling the actual story. And the other weird thing about this film that it feels like it chooses not to lean into, but you kind of have to, especially if the roles reverses, it'll be a, a big topic. There's a love story that's sort of budding in this film with this 15-year-old boy, and this is taken in the 70s, so it's a different time era, with a 15-year-old boy and a 25- or 26-year-old woman, and that's completely okay. Nobody bats an eye about, like, no weirdness between that. So I don't understand this film at all. It was also another one that's, like, two and a half hours long that we were sitting, like, I don't get this. There's either a weird insight. It's like we were sitting there, and it's like, did we miss an inside joke that this movie's good? Because it's <laughs> not. So it's kind of a big bummer there. Uh, I've just been looking at a lot of reviews, and – it's a lot of mixed stuff, and it feels like a lot of people saying that this is his best film, but I, I do not see it um, by any means. So that's Licorice Pizza. I believe it's sort of, I think it's still playing in a couple of theaters here and there. And I'm still sort of surprised how bad that film was. Bradley, you saw it? I did not see it. Ah, damn. Okay. I'm curious if any of you guys see it. Mocha, I feel like. But I love you, Paul Thomas Anderson. So okay. I'm so you're, to see it. you're a yeah. PTA fan. Mocha, you're a PTA fan? I do. So I'm a fan of Paul Thomas Anderson, but he is a difficult uh, director for me to watch sometimes, or at least his movies are. And oftentimes that's very, very intentional. It's kind of his style. I haven't seen this movie. I haven't gone to see it in theaters. I'm going to see it sooner or later because uh, Ian Scott Howland, as everybody, as everyone's favorite uh, person who is never on this podcast, uh, is a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. So I'll wind up, I'll wind up watching it with him sooner or later. Uh, but, but yeah, I wasn't rushing theaters to see it. And I heard a lot of interesting stuff about people's mixed feelings towards it being a good movie but also a weirdly a weird movie because of the age gap in the main characters so i'm really i was really excited to go to this film less about paul thomas anderson but more that Haim was in this film and i'm like oh interesting like this is a really cool band like maybe that there's something happening and i don't know if they're gonna like play any music about it yeah no it was a really bad but the the one bright spot which i didn't realize until i think like maybe over an hour into the film i sat there and was like this boy he's like 15 he's playing a 15 year old boy i don't think he's 15 in real life like this boy looks so familiar and then when he started to run i like leaned over to emma i was like this boy runs like he's like a younger version of philip seymour hoffman she's like yes that's his son and i was like oh okay that's awesome i didn't even know that so uh it was a really cool thing but he does actually favor him a lot and so it feels like there's another tribute that uh, pta was trying to do here um but i also feel like this movie's somewhat 
um, autobiographical of telling his own story. I, I just, I, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, so that's, I got to catch up on my uh, PTA. Last movie I saw was Inherent Vice, and I loved it. I just recently watched Magnolia. I think somebody made a joke about like Tom, um, not Tom, but Tom Cruise in that film, and I and I like Magnolia. So I, I like Magnolia's awesome. Usually like him. Yeah, I usually like a lot of his films, but yeah, this one does not uh, do it for me. Uh, okay, let's keep rolling along. Uh, biggest miss, something that we really wanted to see but didn't get a chance to. Mocha, what's something you really wanted to check out last year but just missed it? Um, Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro's movie. Uh, it's still in theaters, so I still have a chance, but I really want to see it. Guillermo del Toro is very, very near and dear to my heart as a director, and I want to see that movie. Just wait until it's streaming. I, I, I'm i just letting you know there. You feel negatively towards it? I'm not going to spoil it because if you want, you're telling me you want to see it. So, oh, you don't have to, you don't have to spoil it, but you can't tell me like whether you thought it was like bad or good. It, it's bad movie. I'm saying wait till it goes streaming <laughs> so you do not waste your money. Like it's, it's not good. And it's also another film that's just far too long. Um, yeah, mm. it's, 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 it's a bit of a bummer. Do you know the premise? Um, no, but I also, this is a situation where I was just warning. Um, I just wasn't looking up any information about it. I was like, oh, Guillermo del Toro has a movie coming out. Bradley right. Cooper's in it. Maybe exactly, he pops his top. That's exactly, what, that's exactly what me and him was like. Oh, Guillermo del Toro. We love Shape of Water. I just rewatched Shape of Water. And it still blows me away how good brilliant. that goddamn food. That movie is so good that it makes his newest film. Like, what were you, what were you doing? You clearly did not have a, like a vision here. So I'm <laughs> super, super curious what you think about uh, Nightmare Alley when you get a chance to watch it. All right, cool. Damn, that's such a bummer. <laughs> um, Brylin, what you got? Uh, my biggest miss, I mean, I think it's just because, I mean, life got in the way and couldn't get to the movie theaters and stuff. Uh, but No Time to Die, uh, Daniel Craig's final James Bond film. I'll probably rent it or buy it uh, to watch it eventually. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of bummed that in terms of like movie events that you want to see in the theater on that Dolby digital screen and stuff. I was definitely looking forward to no time to die. And I hate that. I missed it. Yeah. I really think, um, I got a chance to watch that twice once here and once and over in California. Um, the Dolby-ness, and it was all in Dolby, like really, really helps that score, especially at the end. I believe Hans Zimmer does that too. Um, the score is actually really solid. And I think, I, I hope you do get a chance that like, maybe it comes back in theaters for like a small, a short run. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think you'll, I think it's uh, somewhat of a solid <clears throat> film. It's mess. It's a little bit of a mess uh, in certain areas, but it's still pretty, I think probably the better of the James Bond ones. For me, it's like Casino Royale. And then this, the other one. Oh, are, for the Daniel Craig ones. Yeah. 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 I don't I didn't watch yeah. the other ones. So, yeah. I mean, Skyfall is my favorite Daniel Craig one. Um, I mean, that movie is fantastic. Oh, wait, I was thinking, uh, I think you were thinking, uh, I was thinking of Spectre. I was like, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. Hold up. <laughs> yeah, Spectre, <laughs> not as good. No, okay, good. Skyfall, <laughs> I, I think for me, it, it, it's going to be like the number one, this one, then Skyfall, and then the other ones just kind of follow it. I yeah. did love Batista Inspector, though. I felt like he was yeah. unsung hero of that movie that everybody forgot about. Uh, bullet. What you got? Yeah, my biggest miss was Dune. Um, it was only in theaters, or excuse me, it was only in IMAX for like maybe two weeks, I think, before Eternals came out, 
I didn't get to see it in those two weeks. Um, and then I couldn't find it, although I didn't look particularly hard. Uh, but I couldn't find it when they did the re-release in early December. Um, I definitely could have seen it in standard def, uh, but I just kept on holding out of being like, oh, no, I'll figure it out in what's it called. And now I'm probably not going to be able to see it in the theaters anyways, unless they do some sort of like re-release right before the second one comes out. Um, so I'll probably watch it on on uh, the small screen. Uh, kind of a bummer there. Um, it is what it is. But you don't have a 108 inch uh, 4K uh, display at your I'm, house. I'm actually rocking a 100, a 110, uh, which I think is Ooh. too big, you know, for Dune. You you want to see it ideally on <clears throat> 107 to 109. I mean, I, I watched it uh, through uh, Apple TV with sort of like headphones on like a TV, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, just with that, like obviously it was clearly no like big one, but it's it's still pretty solid. I felt. So hopefully it does come back for you. There has been a couple of films kind of shuffling back it back into the theaters, like Ghostbusters, for example. Curious why that's it's on there. Amazon Prime now. Oh, is it? Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. It's so so strange. Um, my biggest miss. Uh, honorable mentions: Green Knight. I really wanted to check that out, but it was too deep into COVID that I just couldn't get to it. Same thing with Pig. Um, I felt like that was a small movie that I really wanted to watch. I think Mocha, you talked about it. Uh, and you oh, yeah. love that film. I think you talked I about it like last it. spring, and I just you know hadn't had a chance to watch it. Is the, all these three movies? Last Duel is another one that was like more recent that came out that just kind of got clashed and kind of got missed. Um, so all three of those films I really wanted to check out, never had a chance to do it. So dang millennial, not seeing the last Duel in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, it's just tough. It's tough. All right, what we've everybody been waiting for, let's talk about sort of our favorite and our top three movies or TV shows. The way that we're going to do this is that you're going to be listing your individual counts of movies, so we're not going to do the round robin. So you just give us our you know three through one, uh, kind of give us a short story as to why, and then a couple people may chime in if you have uh, the same thoughts. So uh, I'll toss it over to Brylin because he usually is pretty solid with starting us off. What you got for the uh, top three favorite movie and TV? Alrighty, so my top three, number three is my most anticipated movie from last year, Dune, uh, directed by Denny Villeneuve. Um, he continues to be a visual like master of just bringing worlds to life. And uh, after reading the book again and seeing what he put on film, the only knock I can give to it is that it is half a movie. And I'm waiting for the second half to see the full thing. Um, and also just reading the book again. I mean, I know he can't put everything in there that's in there. I mean, there's all the Chome stuff and how they're involved, the things that he had to leave out. But for a cinematic translation of Dune, I don't think he could have done better. Everything visually was just astounding. Um the still suits, the ornithopters, uh, the sandworms were just brilliant. Um, and uh, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, it, I mean, I can't wait to see how much more Johnny's going to do in the second half of Dune uh, because it was fantastic. They just set it up really well. Um, I mean, who else can I like call out? Um, um, was it Poe Dameron's beard was fantastic in that movie. It was just an amazing film and 
I want to see more. I hope even after part two, if it's successful, that they continue the book series of Dune because it goes places and it's a wild, wild ride. And I think it's definitely worth watching. Uh, and uh, I hope that when the second part comes out, uh, a lot of people see the actual story for what it is, because I think a lot of people feel like, I mean, a lot of people are assuming they know what this story is right now. Jason Momoa's beard gave his life so that Oscar Isaac's beard could thrive. <laughs> exactly. Um, my number two film of the year is The Green Knight, uh, directed and written by David Lowry, uh, starring Dev Patel and Alicia Vikander. Uh, fantastic film. This is kind of what I call a Bryland film. Uh, they took a very, very ancient piece of literature and made it modern in this uh, film and they made it into a visual spectacle and also um, just brought a lot of character and focus and feeling into something that uh, could be very uh, superficial if you just uh, filmed it literally for what it is. Uh, and I thought, uh, yeah, Dev, Dev Patel was fantastic, the whole thing. And basically, he is the star of the film. It's about his journey, his hero's journey. And just showing, like, sometimes a hero's journey is not all you expect from a hero's journey. And I, I just love, like, the choice that he's given uh, in that movie and what it leads to as well. So fantastic job by them. And it was my number one until the Jesse Award winner for 2021. It has to be Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I don't know when the last time I cried and like yelped and <laughs> just laughed at a movie so hard. Um this was like all those key moments of Endgame that people yell about. We were getting something like that every 30 minutes in this film. And everybody just killed it, especially Willem Dafoe, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland. They all brought uh, their A-game to wrap up this MCU trilogy of Spider-Man. And they were able to take all these Spider-Man movies that came before and just show like honor and respect to him, which I thought was a really cool thing to do. And it, it brought Spider-Man into an interesting place. And I know a lot of people have doom and gloom, like Sony's going to kill it. Uh, Sony's going to just run it into the ground and stuff. But I have high hopes just because of who our Spider-Man is. And I am excited to see where Spider-Man goes after this. Nice. So it's pretty, Three pretty solid um, films there. Um, Mocha, what you got? Uh, yeah. Firstly, I just want to say 2021 was a really great year for movies, I think, even despite like all the hangups and the weird delays. Like Every movie that, that Brian just mentioned, none of them are on my top three list, but they could very well be. It's not a matter of me actually thinking these movies are better. It's just a matter of personal taste. Uh, but yeah, I really just a phenomenal year when we take a look at it uh, like this. For me, my list number three is going to be uh, the Netflix special Inside uh, by Bo Burnham. I think that that was really just a remarkable piece of pop culture that I think is going to just like live on through history. Uh, it was very, very, very indicative of just this time period. Um, and yeah, it was just it was it was it was wonderful. It was really just like super well thought out, super creative, did such a cool job of 
giving a voice to something that we were all kind of experiencing. And obviously people were experiencing this in different ways, uh, the pandemic and the isolation period of it. But I think that Bo Burnham really did a good job of getting to the core of what a lot of people, at least in our demographic, uh, were experiencing. So just a really cool movie and a great little time capsule for the future of what that year was like. Uh, number two, I talked about it before, but Midnight Mass. Uh, I really just really thoroughly enjoyed this this series. It was a slow burn, blew it. And I think that, and well, not that I think that, I know it's intentional because it's not just about the jump scares or the fear that's provoked through seeing like something scary. It's all about the fear that's provoked through how far people are willing to debase themselves when they believe themselves uh, like righteously justified. And I just thought it was really beautiful, uh, a really beautiful movie in it, or TV show in its own way. And then finally, my number one movie of the year, I said this in like February or March when I first saw it. And honestly, it's still there. My number one movie is Pig. Pig was, was beautiful. It was such a beautiful movie. I can't like, I can't speak uh, highly enough of, of, of this movie. Uh, I was really surprised surprised by Nicolas Cage's performance. The amount of emotion and strength of character that he showed while playing somebody who was extremely stoic and really had a minimal amount of lines. Uh, the interplay of like art and food and the love that can be found, the way those things can connect and touch somebody like uh, like deep deep in their heart, I think was portrayed in a way that I I don't often see in shows and movies about food. Uh, it was just a fantastic movie. And if, if you haven't seen Pig yet, you really need to go out of your way to do it because it's worth your time. Uh, Mocha, have you had a chance to watch Lamb by any chance? I did actually, yeah. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it at home. A24 did a, a home a home theater situation where they let you watch it while it's at home while it's still uh, in theaters. And it was cool. I liked Lamb. Uh, I didn't like it as much as Pig. It was definitely a different kind of movie than Pig. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool. I had a few issues with it, but overall, I liked it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Love how we have a lot of different sort of things on our lists here. So let's see if we can keep this uh, thing going. Uh, Blue, what you got? Yeah, uh, I, you know, I feel like I might. I feel like the, the easy way out for me would have been, you know, kind of the standard ones. Um, so I try to like vary up my three and two, if you will. Uh, I think these are things that people should check out that I really enjoyed. Um, it's kind of hard to like choose a, a best thing, uh, you know, or at least two and three, at least in, in my opinion. The other issue that I have is that I did not finish a lot of things this year. Uh, so which is brutal because like, uh, for example, I was thinking of choosing the Queen's Gambit, um, you know, when I was going through and looking at what I watched. The Queen's Gambit came out in 2020. I just didn't watch it until 2021. So there's like a bunch of things that I'm going to finish up next or this year in 2022 uh, that maybe could be on the list, but they can't because they didn't come out. Uh, for example, um, only about halfway through The Witcher. That probably won't end up on that list, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and Squid Game. Um, I'm still like only halfway through Squid Game, even though I've been absolutely loving it. Um, to Mocha's point, though, uh, there is so much great content out there. Um, and with the dual releases that a lot of these companies are doing, um, you know, it's almost even easier now to experience some of these, you know, films. Uh, and I would say that it is a little bit tougher, but um, if you can get some early reviews, it might be worthwhile to kind of like 
sift through on what deserves to be seen on a big screen versus a small screen with Omicron raging. Um, most likely we're not coming out of this anytime soon. You know, in fact, we're uh, starting to see movies getting pushed back already. Um, although I suspect the, the big one that came out today uh, is due because Sony has no idea how to deal with the Spider-Man universe rather than any sort of Omicron uh, worry. Um, Uncharted is still coming out on time, so they don't care about Omicron. They just want to edit a little bit of something into that movie, and that's why they pushed it back. Anywho, off the soapbox. So my movies, first one, if, you're like, uh, if you like a good slasher fic, um, this one goes out to Andrew Abbott with the Fear Boners podcast uh, subsection of the Down and Front po- podcast. Um, the Fear Street anthology films were pretty awesome. Um, they were definitely hard R uh, slasher uh, films that I really like. Haven't seen that dumb of a film in a while. Like normally, uh, Caroline, front of the show, gets me watching like these supernatural Satanism type things. Uh, and this was just a big, stupid, dumb slasher film. And I, I kind of loved every second of it. Um, the second film, uh, I wanted to spotlight was, uh, a, a kind of a cult favorite. I think, um, we're a small fan base, but an active one. Uh, so psych three, the movie, um, I actually had a couple buddies over, uh, and you know, we had a couple drinks, had some snacks and watched this together, which is something I really haven't done. Uh, besides with, you know, Caroline in front of the show, um, in, a long time, uh, even including the pandemic. It's not something that you normally do, which is at least I normally do of like having a couple friends over to watch a movie. Usually our interests are elsewhere. That's weird. This is getting too vague. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but psych three brought us all together. It was really well done. Uh, I really do love the series and I hope they just keep on coming together every couple of years just to make one of these films for, you know, 500,000 people to watch <laughs> across the world. Um, and then lastly, uh, my favorite film of this year, actually kind of going in the theme with Psych, where uh, about like the community aspect was uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, or excuse me, No Way Home. Um, the, you know, we've basically ish been living in isolation for nearly two years now. And although it wasn't my first movie back, it was definitely the first one where like, the entire crowd was into it. And it was this, it was this like really unifying, a stranger unifying moment uh, where you could just sit with some nerd next to you, you know, right hand, left hand side, front back. And whenever anything happened in that film, that was cool, which was 95% of the movie, like people were <laughs> hooting and hollering. And that was awesome. Uh, really haven't got that since Endgame. Cannot wait for Doctor Strange 2, which is likely going to be the next one that's, you know, going to be the same type of movie. Um, so, yeah, No Way Home. Also, it was a damn good film. Uh, I, I guess they submitted it for uh, Best Picture. It won't win that. I don't think it'll get nominated. But uh, the fact that they felt strongly enough to throw it even like for consideration, uh, I, I think is is worthwhile. It probably wasn't the prettiest. Eternals does that. But like, dang, it was a it was a good damn movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'd argue it's probably better uh, visually than internal than the Eternals, but that's just that's just no. Me. Eternals was gorgeous. Every scene with Tiamat was was arguably uh, like visually more Rash. striking 
I, I mean, it just because it wasn't a good movie and you weren't in, emotionally invested in the characters does not mean that has nothing to do with it. I just think I think the actual visual effects for Spider Man. Oh no, no, it was fine. I can watch. Uh, I can watch Paperboy's powers like on repeat constantly. They were amazing. <laughs> I can't um, think of his name right now. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Atlanta season three is coming out in twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, it's gonna just, just comment two two things. One, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Blue at Fear Street was really fun, and also was the first slasher movie that I've seen in a long time that really got what it meant to be a fun and thrilling slasher movie. And I think that we might be coming into a resurgence of that genre of horror movie with Scream Four coming out. Um, but like, if that does happen, Fear Street is definitely the uh, like what broke the flood the floodgates for that whole genre to come back, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, it makes sense with all like like I said, the 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 Netflix horror film has kind of dominated the last like five or six years. You know, like bleak, cold, barren. You know, with some weird goat in the background making noises. You know, like that's <laughs> half. They're not saying they're bad films. Though. Like, there's a lot of really good films from that. But um, uh, oh, also like a lot of the the religious stuff too. Uh, like we talked about with uh things seen not heard or heard seen things that we also experienced <laughs> visually i don't know um you know, like those types of films have dominated the horror landscape for the last little bit mocha you're right i think scream 4 is actually getting some decent ish early buzz so we'll see mm, yeah that and also just the fact that spider-man seeing spider-man no way home on opening weekend was really delightful because it was an exact yeah. experience and i saw it one weekend later in the theaters again in Florida. I first 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 time in California, then in Florida, and in Florida, like a week later, it was dead silent the entire time. Like people just weren't reacting to it. I don't think people weren't enjoying it, but there wasn't any sort of reaction. But that opening weekend, man, people were screaming. I yeah, know for a fact, yeah. like the girl next to me was bawling her eyes out, like through many yeah. moments. I got pretty close to it myself. Uh, like it was a like a delight. If you like any of these Marvel movies, please try to see them opening weekend because. Like when the crowd's going for it, it is a magical experience. I always try to watch it like the first. I try to be the first person in the earliest showing in Spider-Man. Outside of Spider-Man, I think this was the earliest I've ever seen AMC put an opening. And it was 3 p.m. on a Thursday. Like I get a lot of them 7, 8 o'clock like on the Thursday, like even though it's supposed to come out on Friday, like I've never seen a movie that was like, oh yeah, 3 p.m. Thursday, and it was me and everybody that were there that was either all calling out of work or whatever. Everybody was having the time of their life, and the only other time that I've seen some experience like that was same thing Blue had talked about, like it was the um, in game, and then before that, the yeah. one that I can remember that everybody was like freaking out because we were all there super early was uh, uh, Last Jedi when the um, uh, the hyperdrive, hyperdrive, yeah, the hyperdrive, like hyperdrive ramming scene. and stuff, yeah, yeah. So, and that was everybody was like stunned what was actually happening. So that was a yeah. pretty cool moment. All right, so. Uh, for my top, uh, definitely some honorable mentions of things that uh, people hadn't said just yet. So, uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines is so fun. Um, that came out, I believe that came out in 2021. Is some I think it was like someone early animated film. It was 
a blast because I thought it was going to be super cheesy and we've seen this before, but it just gave me a lot of like comfort. And I was like, I found myself like laughing in that film. Like, man, this is actually really good. This is a great movie that a lot of people are not talking about, which is bummer because it looks phenomenal. Like the animation in that film was top notch. Um, And I think I actually enjoyed, you know, basically sort of the story that was sort of happening with it um so that was actually sort of kind of fun i just realized i meant to put space jam as the biggest um worst movie there but i didn't think <laughs> I, I didn't think i needed to to be honest with you uh we all know space jam 2 was a hot mess um so uh other honorable mention because i want to keep to to something a little bit different on the list uh love spider-man you know that still is kind of going down as sort of you know t- definitely top five for me this year um, love that experience, kind of watching that a couple of times. Really excited for that to be uh, come available. Uh, my number three is going to be Belfast. Um, that was this was a film that really shocked me. How you know somewhat simple this film was, and just even the introduction of sort of the characters that you sort of talking about some historical sort of uh, events that is sort of occurring that really talks about sort of change and people having to leave home uh, and. I really felt like this movie was really important to um, sort of the director. I always forget his name. Shit. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. There we go. Um, It's his story that he's basically sort of telling of basically him and his family had to sort of move out and sort of leave their home. So um, I really sort of appreciated the score in this. I appreciated sort of the acting, especially because you have um, basically, you know, child actors. And I also really appreciate sort of the introduction to, you know, not only non-toxic characters, but like actual supporting father figures that we tend to do not see a lot at all in a lot of these films. And it was really nice to see, you know, multi-generational supportive father figures in this, in this actual movie, especially with the main character and the connection that was uh, built with his grandfather. So really, really loved um, sort of Belfast. I, I really wish more people got a chance to sort of see it. It was like one of those smaller sort of releases. So so that's number three. Um, Number two is going to be Ted Lasso season two. I mean, this show is insane. Really, really loved. Like this was one that you're basically laughing, you're crying, you're really all bought in. They've even took some swings and I'm all for it. Even the, you know, the beard episode. But the <laughs> acting, the characters, even where it ends, you're like, holy shit, this is like, the the show is like weirdly transforming on its own. But so much focus on, not, not only even the focus on sort of the mental health, but just how you can have, you can tell multiple love stories in, in this comedy that's also grounded in real life. And they also had the great opportunity to sort of mirror this with how, you know, someone like Simone Biles, for example, or Asaka, uh, Naomi Asaka, who's talking about, you know, taking steps away from their sports and their profession on to focus on mental health. And they actually wrote that into this particular sort of show. So big ups to it. I really, really love um, sort of that particular sort of movie or in that show. And I'm really excited to see that come back. And sort of my top is going to be the French dispatch. Um, Love me some Wes Anderson. This movie took me by surprise. I was basically recommending it to everybody. Jeffrey Wright does an insane section character. That's so good. I have cried two out of two both times when he starts talking. And it's so much that it's like, I feel like Jeffrey Wright has a, um, 
a future in like voiceover and narration because he, he he does it so well. And I love this. I love the actual film. Loved everything about it. Um, this is by far like my favorite Wes Anderson sort of movie. And it was again around like the timing of all these to come out. I think I've seen I've seen Belfast and Fridge Dispatch, you know, somewhat close to each other and how different that they were when all the other stuff that was coming out was either horror or sort of, you know, uh, superhero. Um, it was just nice to see these stories that were somewhat contained and also the quirkiness of Wes Anderson. If you like any of his work, you're going to love Fridge Dispatch if you haven't seen it. And everybody's in this movie. I didn't realize, but he basically <laughs> just dumps it out and, and puts puts everybody in this film. And everybody has a great sort of uh, kind of moment in and there's this one scene with Benicio del Toro's character in here that he talks about as being like on sort of psychedelics and how he was going crazy and how he sees himself. And it's just so funny. Uh, it's so good. So um, that's French Dispatch. That was, uh, I think it should be available some, sometime soon. Um, but that was by far one of my favorite uh, films of last year. Another movie I wanted to go see, but missed oh, unfortunately. Oh man, it's so good! It's it's, it's I feel like it's it was good. So good. It was good. It's so good. Um, so uh, as we get to move into our last sort of section before we wrap it up, most anticipated for twenty twenty two. So, Mocha, what you got? Let's do it, baby! Sonic the Hedgehog two parentheses <laughs> and Knuckles, which should have been the title. I am legitimately excited for this movie. If you haven't heard our polarized opinions on it, go back and listen to the episode where we reviewed it. I thought that that the, the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie was way better than I had any reason to expect it would be. It just wasn't a movie actually made for me being a 34-year-old man. Um, but like, I think it was great. And I am very excited for what, for what looks like it's going to be a movie that takes all the different like, forms of the characters that we would have expected and finally had them there. Robotnik looks like Robotnik. You're getting Knuckles. You're getting Tails. And Idris Elba's voice as Knuckles sounds awesome. And he looks badass. And I, I'm legitimately excited for this movie. Uh, that and also the film Nope, which is going to be Jordan Peele's third feature film. He did write it. He did direct it. This is definitely going to be up there. It has a great cast that I'm not going to talk about because it'll, uh, it'll spoil it for Warren. But really phenomenal looking cast already. And just the title of that, man, just like the word nope in relation to like black culture and horror movies. Like, I already know that this is going to be good. So I'm really, really looking forward to those two films. Yeah. You know, uh, Idris Elba says, uh, let me show you the way. <laughs> and no, but I really hope he, he drops the N word. I hope he drops the N word <laughs> as Knuckles. He'll spell it with a K and then, a K N. I'm, sh- I'm sure he's not, but I'm also looking forward to both of those films. I I com- I, I didn't even like put them on my list, uh, especially because I feel like we have been waiting for the best video game um, movie to come out, and some of them has been somewhat close, but they all been cheesy bad, and they're just not very good usually but we're like we tried to suck it up and be like oh well you know it's fine we can like brush it off and then sonic the hedgehog comes and you're like this is actually a good movie is that weird and like you actually like the characters in there it actually has a good story jim carrey just well, they just allow him to do what he wants to do and he crushes that role so i'm all on board of this n- number two that's coming up it should be silly it should be fun uh and i think it's able to be catering to a lot of different sort of um 
um, people, which is actually going to be really cool. So super, super pumped about that. Uh, I, I saw I saw some trailer with like his like mustache. And so I was like, OK, so I think they're really going after the Dr. Robotnik from from uh, video games. So really, really pumped. Um, really hope they kind of knocked that out of the park. When is that coming out? Those two. Uh, you know? Good question. I want to say it's a summer movie, but I, I'm not positive. Let me look it up right now. I feel like nope, a nope, nope should is, come out earlier. Nope is uh nope is July. probably summer movie. Yeah. Summer? Uh, Sonic. So Sonic Two yeah. is April, early April. Yeah. Okay. And then Nope uh, is going to be allegedly July. Gotcha. Okay. Late July. Uh, nope. Uh, Brylin, what you got? Uh, yeah, most anticipated for 2022. There's a lot of movies I'm excited for in 2022. Um, I mean, like, I mean, the Batman's coming out. I'm excited for that. But two, I want to mention, um, let's keep all, keep the web slinging going. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, the follow-up to Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Lord and Miller back at it. Just amazing animation all around. Um, can't wait to see what they do with Miles and continue his story in this. So I'm really excited to see what's next for that series. Uh, and the other one I wanted to mention is Babylon, starring Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. This is Damien Chazelle's next film. It is a period piece, so I don't know. I know how you feel about period pieces, Warren, but uh, I got high hopes just because Damien Chazelle always brings a very creative uh, take on things. So. And I mean, I'm sure loved, there'll be a lot of cool music too. Yeah, I love Damien Chazelle. Do you know if um, he has the same composer? That I don't know. Okay. And when is this coming out? Uh, December. December. Shit. Okay. I I'm now realizing that realistically, anything after May, I probably won't be able to go out and see in theaters. So I'm really going to be banking to try to watch everything I can before May. Oh yeah, you'll, you'll have uh, <laughs> I, you'll have some, a little extra. Oh shit, is going to be annoying me. I won't be able to get to the theater, so we'll see. Um, that's exciting because I love Damien Chazelle. I can't remember the name of his composer right now, but First Man was one of my favorite scores. Uh, like. Just, just period. Love, love La La Land. Um, love Whiplash. So I uh, love just about everything that Damien Chazelle has done. So sounds to be super exciting. Uh, Blue it. What you got? Yeah, it is the uh, same composer. I uh, I actually don't even know if it's technically slated to be released next year, but it's done shooting, and they've claimed that it's going to get released next year. Um, is uh, Star Wars a story? about obi-wan kenobi um yeah that like that's to me gonna be so amazing returning uh ewan mcgregor um should be phenomenal uh as a miniseries we'll see when it comes out though i think everybody's anticipating basically we've been waiting and waiting for that story for a long time so hopefully it does come out next year um, cause love, love me some Ewan McGregor and also love Obi-Wan. So, um, gotta be amazing. Um, for me, uh, I think I'm looking for the next sort of, um, Dr. Strange, the multi-universe. I think that's what? the next. Multiverse. The multi-universe. Yeah, yeah that's it. Multi-universe, <laughs> multiverse is the same goddamn the multi, thing. Yeah. The multi-universe of wildness. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know the full title cause I didn't want to look anything up, but then the next Dr. Strange film, super pumped about that. Um, especially because I'm, 
I'll, I'm curious to see what they're going to tie into that movie. I I know it's going to be probably some stuff with Spider-Man. I already know the stuff with sort of WandaVision. Um, but I, what I don't know is if they're going to be pulling in stuff that we've seen from the TV, like Loki specifically, or, or not. I'd imagine they may, but who knows. So super pumped to cut in. And what if, excuse me, and what if, because they actually showed us a hell of a lot from what if. And I'm curious if they're actually <laughs> going to bring that back right so um super pumped about that i always love benedict cumberbatch so um i'm that's probably gonna be I, I think it's gonna be like my last like big film that i'm like really anticipating and then anything after you know after the summer i have no idea so i'm um, super pumped about that and then, the, and then the other uh, film that i sort of heard of is petite maman um and it's from the director who made uh portrait of a lady on fire and I hear this next one is pretty amazing. Uh, it sort of came out only on like a week of showing and then it disappeared. And then it's actually coming, actually going to be a full release next year. Um, but it's sort of something that I'm going to be kind of trying to look after for and try to find. Because I loved Portrait of Lady on Fire so much. And I'm all in on this director. And I think this next one is like a little bit over. It's like under 90 minutes of a movie or something like that. And it's still supposed to be amazing. So super pumped to sort of check that out and we're pumped all right guys we did it Woo! all the movies Woo. all the things we i'm sure we probably kind of missed a heck of a lot of stuff that we want to talk about um but i'm just really excited to have you guys all sort of on this journey to sort of continue to keep talking um about these things so with that is there anything else somebody want to chat before we wrap up um i just want to say that i officially and successfully tracked on a sh- on a uh, spreadsheet every single piece of media that i consumed this uh this year from january to december and i watched uh 171 different pieces of media from start to finish and that's a mix of movies and tv shows so there are some like five season tv shows in there there's some two hour movies in there it's a big mix but it's really cool to see this all in hindsight and it made this conversation a hell of a lot easier because I was literally just able to control F2021 and see the release date uh, because I'm a nerd and like I like to like, record all those facts and stuff like that. So, so you uh, did. And I, does that count your TikToks? <laughs> oh, no. My TikToks, I definitely consume more TikToks than almost anything else this year. So, so that's uh, a thing every two days. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess so. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. You watched a whole <laughs> dang TV show in like two days straight. I watched a lot of stuff simultaneously, <laughs> like an episode of a TV show a day, along with a movie or two. Uh, and I wasn't rushing through it. It was just naturally what I wanted to see, but like, but damn, like it's a lot of, it's a lot of content. Um, but it's kind of cool to see. I encourage anybody else who is a, a, f- a freak of nature to also do something similar to this um, <laughs> because it's worth looking back on. So did you just use Excel? What else was on that spreadsheet? Can you share that spreadsheet so we can all view it? Yeah, totally. I'll show you the uh, the co- the columns. But basically, I did it in Google Sheets uh, just because I needed it to be um, like be like mobile available. But basically, I did like the media name, a drop down list of whether it was a, a series, a movie, a short, a special, an OVA. Um, the day that I completed it, the runtime, either in uh, episodes if it was a TV series or in uh, length if it was a movie, the release year, the director, creator, the genre, the viewing platform I watched it on, my reason for viewing it, 
from a drop down, including uh, the podcast is one of those one of those reasons. Whether or not it was my first viewing, my rating, and two columns for notes. Wait, so some of these have too much <laughs> multiple viewing. So technically, is it still the one seventy, or that's totaled? I mean, if if you want to talk about just like unique views, then it's less than one seventy. But like, def, but I definitely think that like watching Dune three times is worth keeping track of. <laughs> fair, it's fair. Yeah, nothing wrong with yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to see if we can have that. And if we can probably sort of post that in the show notes to see if anybody else wants to check it out, I think it'd be awesome. So I appreciate <laughs> it. You to maybe have to put the porn on like a new tab or something. <laughs> nope. Nope. Lead with the porn. <laughs> Too many rows. <laughs> uh, and with that, we have been the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining our Jessies of 2021. Super pumped and super excited. Um, as we mentioned before, we're probably going to be moving into some transitionary periods. So um, we're not sure when that next gonna review is going to be, but you will hear from us and you'll let us know um, what that's going to be. It could be some smaller reviews, maybe one, two people that's going to be on there, but we're still going to be sort of kicking around. So just kind of keep that in mind and feel free to kind of reach out to us. I'll, you know, chat about our all socials and things that we are still going to be doing. Um, as this we're still going to review Spiral with Dr. Bob. Ooh, Dr. Bob has to. Well, I actually saw Spiral. Yeah, it did. It did, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Bob has probably the best take on Old, uh, the movie with In Night Shyamalan, which I really wanted to see until he's like, don't. Please, Warren, I'm, I'm begging you to save yourself. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it was actually one of the worst movies of last year, apparently. Yikes. Yeah. Um, I was going to start Wheel of Time, and then I looked yep. at his review, and I was just like, nope. <laughs> yep. Nope. Same thing. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> but I'm probably going to watch, I'm probably going to start Midnight Mass. I'm trying to, like, make it an effort to be in bed by, like, 12, 1230 now. So I'm probably going to try to start Midnight Mass tonight. Uh, also been watching MacGruber, which is so good so oh man i love this show it's so insane anyways we are done with the episode brylan where can people find more of your work on the internet uh you can find me posting um hopefully something soon and um just like weird ideas and thoughts and cool photos of maybe my dog on instagram at i am brylan that's where you can find me that's my most active social media Love to hear it. Mocha, what you got? And uh, you can also see me oh. liking all Ja Morant highlights because he is amazing. He is. And he's back. And he should be an all-star. But some something yeah. tells me he may not be voted in as a starter. Yeah, because don't leave it up to the fans. Leave it up to the skills, you know? It's it's not really the fans, let's be let's be honest. But they just they just say that it is. It's not. Yeah. Uh Mocha, where bots. can people find? It's the bots. <laughs> where can people find more of your work, Mocha? Modal, baby. Um, you can <laughs> find me on uh, Twitter uh, at Mocha Mike Li, as the Lord intended, where I post video, where I post reviews of don't, various don't TV shows. Don't try to squeeze and- that movie <laughs> into this. That movie sucked. Don't me. Do you're the ones like, are talking like, about uh, bots. By by interrupting him, you are now bringing more attention to it. It was going to be a quick joke. And now we're talking about The Matrix, which I haven't seen, so no spoilers. I hear it's fantastic. 
Uh, fight me! <laughs> what? <laughs> fight me on our MySpace me, page about it. Let me edit. Let me edit my piece now based on Warren's <laughs> oh, no. input. Oh no! So this... you can find me on Twitter where I will rant and rave about how Matrix Four was a way better movie than anybody is giving the credit to. At Mocha Mike L R L I, as the Lord intended. You cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who uh, has that username is still dead in his apartment and rotting into the new year because no one's found him yet because no one loves him and he needs to give up that damn username. Uh, so Mocha Mike LI is where it's at for Twitter, but on Instagram, you can find me at Mocha Mike, uh, where I post some photography work. Uh, so check me out there. I hope that wasn't a movie reference. That was just like a, like, I'm trying to think, was that in the matrix? Is someone dead and rotting or is you just, sadistic? no, I legit legitimately want the guy who has, who's like squatting on my username to die alone <laughs> in this apartment. I would say I did really enjoy the first what, 10, 15, the first part of the movie. And then they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're doing something else. And I was like, well, well, this is not good. But I'll keep it non-spoiler. Uh, Blue it. Where can people find more of your work on the webs? And yeah. I hear that you have a video with a ring light playing guitar. So where can we find that? Oh, it's on the internet. <laughs> yeah, new music uh, from Maya News eventually. Um, probably not anytime soon. But like eventually it will happen. 2024. Next year, you know. Um, you can also find us at uh, Jesse gives himself a Jesse uh, dot com. Um, I'll let I'll let the imagination take you to where you want to go. That's also where you can find me playing my ring light. My New Year's resolution is to finally give Jesse a Jesse of my own. <laughs> So check out more of our work at downthefrontpodcast.com where you're going to see the majority of our sort of video teasers, our posters that we have for our bios. You're going to see our Twitter. Lots of stuff that we still have linked over there um, to have sort of our archive. Uh, if you want to try to contact us, we're going to be just about everywhere. So just feel free to search for us at downthefrontpodcast.com. We're going to be on podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Google. We're just about everywhere. So definitely feel free to kind of hang out with us uh, and stay tuned for the next thing that we'll be reviewing. So we're just going to be posting it just how we have been uh, on all of our social media. So we want to thank you for that. Uh, and also one of my small plugs, I kicked off a new sort of podcast titled uh, Open Conversations with Warren. Super excited to talk a little bit about uh, just you know, current affairs, whether it was mindfulness, mental health, social work, a bunch of different things. I'm recording chapter two this week that talks about fear. So that's going to be our theme that me and Megan Arnold is going to be sort of talking about for about, yeah, for, for about an hour. So super pumped and excited to talk a, a little bit about that. She doesn't have any fear. Uh, a lot of her fears. She apparently, terrible according to her, interview. she has tons of, tons, tons of fear. Have you seen her? <laughs> we're, we're afraid of her. I've seen her wrestle a bear. She is the nicest person ever. Shut your mouth. Megan's only fear is losing access to her Disney Plus subscription. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably not wrong. She probably needs that. And wine. If she loses her wine subscription, (laughs) she'll be be real upset. We love you, Megan. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us. Stay tuned. We're going to be posting our Spider-Man review before this one comes out. So that was useless. And have a good night. (laughs) Bye.